going on people welcome to another episode of not rocket science i am sean i am your host how the hell you doing um hopefully a little better than me because i am sniffly as all hell right now uh i feel like i probably sound little more nasally than usual, just a little more nasally and stuff, because I don't know what happened, but uh, yesterday I woke up and got cold, sore throat combo happening, carried over to today, not really happy about it, I thought we were past this. But on the subway on Friday, I noticed there were a lot of people yakking around me. <laughs> you know, there's very few things that make take me to my dark place more than people on a subway car just coughing and sneezing. Uh, usually, though, this time of year, I give people more of a pass because it's allergy season. So I was thinking, like, oh, maybe this is allergy season. Nope. Nope. Not allergy season, because I do not have a sore throat from allergies. I know what I have from allergies. The cold, sure. Sure. I get sniffly this time of year regardless. I do not get sore throats. So I definitely have some sort of bug right now, and I'm not particularly happy, and I probably sound like shit on the podcast today, but that's okay. Because you know what? crank these suckers out weekly every week ain't gonna be a winner health wise you know shit happens what are you gonna do <sighs> all righty what is happening what has happened what uh, what have i been up to i don't really know one thing i've been doing is taking a little break from social media uh at least the way i was doing it before because i don't know i just started feeling like I was going through the motions I guess a little bit when you start doing that it's never really good you never really put out anything good so I kind of took a break still in the break I guess took a few days off probably take a couple more and then I'll jump back into it but uh it's weird it's kind of weird how when you take a break from something like Instagram how much you realize, like, you get caught up in so much insignificant crap on Instagram, like growth and engagement and all that stuff. Like, how it just really doesn't affect anything at the end of the day. And you really shouldn't overanalyze it too much. I don't know. It's been kind of refreshing to just sit on the sidelines and not really give a shit about any of that stuff. And, uh, kind of makes you feel silly when you all are when you are all up in it 
and stressing out or whatever because something you spent an hour designing isn't doing as well as the last post or better than the last post or whatever. It's just good to get away from all that and kind of think. It's better if I didn't have this fucking cold, but but regardless, um, it's been a good break. It's been a needed break from that. Just clear my head and kind of get more involved in other things. You know, I got back into music a little bit more. Um, reading up on financial stuff on the side. I don't want to say for fun, because it's not really for fun, because I wouldn't do it for fun, but I'm doing it to just educate myself more to know what the hell I'm doing. Because I know some moves need to be made and figuring out how to make them. But anyway, just letting you know, feeling overwhelmed, all up in social media too much, take a chill pill. It's all good doesn't really matter um what else what else oh booked a vacay to vegas haven't been there in a long 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 time so i'm pretty pumped staying at the venetian baby and what's funny is like i always research the history of places when i go there and i watch movies about the place whenever i go to a new place i'm mainly doing vegas because the girlfriend's never been there so she should go in a way, it's very her. In a way, it's very not her. So I'm interested to see how she's going to like it. But, like, I've been watching all these Vegas TV shows, and I watched Casino last night. I forgot how good that movie is. Casino is so good. Holy shit. I don't think I've ever disliked a realistic movie character. I'm not talking about Thanos or some shit for you. Marvel comic book nerds out there. I don't mean like something supernatural, but I mean real life people, people that are based on people that actually existed. I don't think there's a character in the history of movies that I can't stand more than Sharon Stone's character in Casino. And that's a compliment, by the way, because I think Sharon Stone like got nominated for an Oscar for that performance, and she should because she killed it. Oh my god, Ginger in Casino, what a disaster. Um, but man, what a movie. What a movie. You had De Niro, you had Pesci, vintage Pesci, vintage De Niro, arguably the last of the vintage De Niro performances. I guess Heat might have been after that. But those are really the last two, I think, other than Meet the Fockers. But that's a, you know, that's a different era. Um... Now you got De Niro in these like shitty movies where he's clearly mailing it in for the check, unfortunately. Although he's doing the Scorsese movie this f- next year, right? Something like Irish something. What is it? What is that movie called? Oh my God. What is it? It's with uh, Pacino too, right? It's Pacino and De Niro and Scorsese. There's one like one more coming out. And during the Oscars this year, there was like a a teaser for it, right? Let's see here. Let's see here. Come on, IMDb. Come on, IMDb. The Irishman. Yeah. The Irishman. I'm hyped for that one. Um, I just hope it's half as good as Casino, realistically. But it's crazy. The Mafia back in the 70s and how intertwined they were with the casinos and how they were skimming off the top before they reported their earnings each quarter. 
Oh man, just the web was so deep. I kind of wish I could go to Vegas in that time just to just to know, you know, get that scent of organized crime running the joint. I think that would be pretty cool. And uh, I think it's based off the Stardust. I'm hearing the Stardust and the Riviera. I think it's like a combination of those two real-life hotels is what the uh, Tangiers in Casino. A lot of that stuff is true. Uh, the TV show he did after he couldn't get his gaming license, that existed. Uh, stealing Siegfried and Roy and giving them a Bentley and all his money to do shows. Stardust also stole Wayne Newton for a while. Um, towards the end of the Stardust run and re- renamed their theater the Wayne Newton Theater before Burner. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but it's really like Vegas is one of those places because most of the history is recent-ish that I just nerd out. I nerd out and I think about, you know, if I was there at that time and I look up pictures and Google image search about what Vegas looked like in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and try to piece it all together. I don't know why I do that. It's such a nerdy thing to do, but I like kind of using Google as a time machine of sorts, at least the best that I can to kind of figure out what things were like back in the day. And one thing in the future that I think would be awesome is if Google Maps like preserved all of their old maps. So 50 years, 100 years from now, you can go back in time on Google Maps Street View so you could like go back to, you know, if it's 100 years from now, which would be 2119, like if you can go back to 2014, that'd be pretty crazy. And they're probably going to do it, right? Like, why wouldn't they do it? They have all those archives. It'd be a really cool feature. Anyway, not to go too into the crazy history of vegas and the future of google maps but anywho point of the show today talk a little bit about ipos because it be two things right now it be festival season and it be ipo season and two have absolutely nothing to do with each other i've already at nauseam talked about Coachella, Coachella, the hashtag Coachella outfit, bitches. Anyway, I've been there, done that. So I want to talk a little bit about IPOs now because there's been a handful of IPOs that already happened. There's some scheduled and I'm just, I'm not going to go through all of them. That would take way too long and probably bore you to tears so i'm just going to talk about a couple so what's what's been what are the major ones right the major ones this year are lyft which happened pinterest which just happened uh uber is happening soon you have a airbnb rumored to happen this year and now you have Slack announcing that they are going to go public and have an IPO as well. Um, so that's a lot of heavy hitters for a short amount of time, realistically. like These are all companies that in the past five years have become pretty massive, 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 massive. Um, Slack caught me by surprise. I was not expecting Slack to announce that when they did. 
I think Slack's an interesting one as far as how profitable they're going to be because I don't have a gut feeling. I really don't. On one hand, I use Slack. I've been a huge proponent of Slack for a long time now since I first used it in 2014, I think, is when I first used Slack, which is a long time ago now. Um, And I, I loved it. I remember the first time using it. I was like, wow, this is so cool. Because they don't really do anything crazy new. It's just the way they aggregate all these things you have to do when you work together on various platforms into one platform. They just did it so much better than everyone else. Just the way they send uh, files, channels, the DMs, basically. And then how they how they kind of like embed emoji and meme culture into their platform because it's obviously a lot of these product decisions were made by software geeks because you could just tell it's like how people talk to each other about when they're scheduling their github branch additions and deploys and all that shit like you could just tell and it's like they send emojis to each other you could tell that's all baked into slack's dna and uh it's a good thing it makes it a lot more fun to use so I remember the first time using it still to this day. I was at General Assembly in a UX design boot camp. And we had to create our team channel, which is our class. And there was another class. We were the phasers. And the other class was the lightsabers. Dorky much, uh, you think? Um, so yeah, it was super dorky. Because we were in our phaser Slack channel. Sending emojis about UX stuff that we knew nothing about at the time to each other. Not sending emojis, but sending like messages with emojis and stuff like that and just learning Slack. And even then, like I just knew it was going to be a huge, 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 huge platform for businesses because the way we, I just got, the way we as a class just got used to using it, like it was part of everyday life for us, was like a matter of three days in a matter of like three days we were just it just became an extension of us as a group um we all downloaded the app on our phones we had it on our laptops like we were just on slack constantly and because a boot camp like a career boot camp thing is pretty intensive uh we were on it like all day every day basically living on that thing so i got the full Slack experience pretty quick through General Assembly. And then when I moved on to working at a company doing UX, uh, they were talking about trying out Slack. And I was like, you guys should do it. Because they were on HipChat. I don't know if you guys knew HipChat. And I was like, dude, we got to move to Slack. Slack's where it's at. It's so much better than this. Like, we're on the Ask Jeeves of uh, workflow communication software. You know what I mean? It's like, do we want to keep using the Ask Jeeves of this shit, or do we want to move on to the Google? Slack's clearly the Google of this. HipChat's the Ask Jeeves, or the, what's the, Ultra Vista. <laughs> I remember that shit back in the day. Man, people listening to this who are, like, 22, 23 years old have probably no idea what I'm talking about. Ask Jeeves and Ultra Vista were... Search engines before Google. There was a time before Google kind of took shit over on the search engine front where it was like Google, Ultra Vista, Vista, 
Ask Jeeves, Yahoo was still a player back then. Uh, or a couple other ones I can't even remember. And it was like you were you everyone had their own ones they liked the most and ones they hated, but there was no standard and then Google became that standard. Um, and when it came to work communication software, I feel like around 2014-ish, 2015, we were kind of in the same boat. It was like, what's the standard? Slack now is Usain bolting these other companies and just emerging from the pack and taking over. So back to the IPO side of things. On one hand, I'm seeing that and I'm like, shit, I'm all in on Slack. I use this thing every day. I, at multiple companies, was telling people we should be on Slack. Like, I'd be almost a hypocrite if I didn't believe in Slack from an investment standpoint. Um, So, like, as a product, as far as a product goes, I am very high on Slack. I've also heard people very high up in Slack, the Slack organization, speak about how they... uh, evaluate their product and make product decisions guys like noah weiss and i think they're really sharp and they have a really good way of looking at things and i think they are the types of people that will grow their product and scale it based on user need which is how you successfully grow your business when it comes to like tech technological products and i'm a full believer I'm a full believer on that front. So I'm fairly bullish on Slack. My concern is, one, the revenue. Like, their revenue has been increasing, increasing, increasing year over year, but they continue to operate at a loss year over year in, like, the hundreds of millions of dollars, which I know is standard, particularly when it comes to the IPO game. I know that's not a unique story or anything, but... I am a frugal motherfucker. I am frugal to the point where it's hurt me when it comes to investing um, and pulling the trigger on things. I am cheap. I am stubborn. I drag my feet with things. And when you see that, there's just something about it that concerns you because... Basically, what the play is, is they're obviously operating at a loss because they keep investing in new technology, investing, 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 people, whatever it is, offices, what have you. And then when the time's right, they're going to pull back on that and rely on their increase year over year in revenue and then, in theory, operate at a gain. Um, But... That's all the plan right now. There's no evidence of that actually happening in real life. It's all just the plan. And that's what concerns me because then it's all hypothetical. You know what I mean? It's not tangible. So I know it's just the roadmap of becoming a publicly traded company that's a unicorn, but it just still concerns me. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm an old school guy. I don't know. But it concerns me Um, a little bit, a little bit. That's not really the main thing that concerns me, though. That's all. I just needed something to say, so I said that because I kind of believe it, but it's not like my big, 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 big concern. My big concern is the security thing because, um, uh, I mean, Google, 
I guess I guess Google's dealt with it okay over the years and Windows, Microsoft, what have you. But it's just the idea of like if you are the standard social platform for work life and you have sensitive materials being swapped and and linked and attached on your platform every day you're gonna be a target for hackers and when you're a target for hackers you're gonna get hacked and when you get hacked it could mess up your stock price and it can concern shareholders so it's like to what extent does slack become a target for hackers and to what extent will they slash can they invest in their security to the point where they are as bulletproof as they can possibly be because that is a real concern um it's obviously a real concern to them and they've even publicly come out and said you know they basically will invest what they can in security but they're always going to be susceptible it's real it's impossible to make your platform 100% hacker proof it just can't be done the government gets hacked all i mean well actually it's a terrible example cuz the government generally has shit tech stacks but in general it is very hard to prevent something like that but when you are the face of something you are the number one company the way google is with search engines or facebook is with non-work based social media or social communication platforms you have a target on your back um but to what extent does that matter so those are my main two concerns with slack but all in all i'm fairly bullish on them but out of this pool of ipos the the one that i'm more bullish on than slack even to an extent is pinterest why is that well there's a few reasons why Mainly, it's that they have no competition for what they do. They are standalone in what they do, and what they do scales to e-commerce very well. So, like, I think in 2015, they launched Buyable Pins, and it is one of the most underutilized but effective marketing tactics there are. So I think there's a lot of untapped or lightly tapped value in Pinterest right now as a business tool. And I think that they, you know, they're like Google in in the sense that when you talk about pinning something digitally, Pinterest is it. There's no other player in the game. They're like band-aids. It's just you use their company name as a verb at this point and when that happens it basically means people are comfortable with it as part of their everyday lifestyle at this point and i only see them growing more and more because of that and on top of all that i've had instances at work where the monopolization of the inspiration game that pinterest has a stranglehold on came to the forefront of what I was doing at work. Basically, I was at a company where we had this feature on our website that had really high-end photography of weddings. 
and we felt as a company or they felt I should say I didn't really give a shit either way that this really high-end photography could be used as a tool to help people you know figure out and plan their own wedding so we bake in more features into these pictures and these photo galleries and make something out of it that will inspire people on our platform to you know get ideas for their wedding or whatever and basically what happened is we reorged we had new people in charge while this project was kicking off and then they were like all right let's pump the brakes and let's just learn more about our users before we dump all this money into growing these galleries out and we did a long form study longitudinal study diary study if you will and we uh interviewed couples that use our site for months this was like a long like i think like six months or something it was the first leg of an 18 month project but for this figuring out this section i think it was like six months of uh chatting with these people on a daily basis through their wedding struggles um their planning struggles etc and basically what came out of it was we should not focus so much on the inspiration side of things. We should focus on tools that will actually help them literally, once they're all inspired, plan their wedding. They don't need to be inspired from us because Pinterest runs the inspiration game because it's crowdsourced, because it's has so many tools like their Chrome browser extension where you can um, save anything on the internet period to a specific board basically they had way more users and way more functionality than what we can compete with we can't really compete with them on this therefore why do it and that you know that was a really important lesson early in my career where it's like don't think you can do everything stick with one or two things and do them really well and don't try to take on companies that own something and think you can do a better job because it's you're just fueling yourself off of ego because what Pinterest has a huge head start and what they they don't have scrappy employees too. You know what I mean? They don't work hard either. They're ahead of the game and they obviously work hard and they're smart. So we're not going to beat them there. So that was really like the the first time um in my career that I learned about I guess the effectiveness on Pinterest cuz Pinterest is kind of low key. You know what I mean? They don't make a ton of noise. They're not like Snapchat where they redesign the app and it fails, but then they offer this new snazzy crazy video thing because they're really like their demo isn't 18 year olds so i mean they have 18 year old users but it's not you know their their demographic is a little older and they could be a little more low-key with everything they don't have to be all you know as in your face and loud as you know the instagrams and snapchats of the world but they're very effective and maybe about a month ago i'm on this email list um this dude, Miles Beckler, I've mentioned him on the podcast before. He's a really good digital marketer and teacher of digital marketing, and a lot of his content is free. He doesn't charge these, you know, $1,000 bullshit e-courses that a lot of these fake digital marketing gurus do these days that suck, and they obviously don't know what they're doing very well, and they're just trying to get your money, but Miles Beckler is not really like that and so i'm on his email list 
And I find it a really good list. And he had this post fairly recently, maybe like a few weeks ago, where he basically exposes his website's social traffic. And he broke it down. He screenshotted. You know, maybe this is all a lie or whatever, but I don't think he has a reason to lie about this. There's no real advantage for him. But basically, the point is, is he had by far the most social traffic driven to his website off of Pinterest, more than Facebook, more than YouTube, more than IG stories, more than IG, more than Twitter, Reddit, whatever. And it wasn't even close. In his screenshot that he posted, 72.59% of his traffic in total users came from Pinterest. The next biggest was Facebook at 2381 and out of new users, 73.65% came from Pinterest. 23.28% came from Facebook. 1% came from YouTube. Which surprised the hell out of me. I would have never guessed that in a million years. You know, he got, for perspective, over 3x the traffic from Facebook. Almost 30x the traffic compared to YouTube. And even more than that compared to Instagram. So it's, to me, something that already is successful enough to have an IPO and already be worth, I think they're worth like something like $15 billion right now is their current evaluation. Um, so they are just ripe for growth, and they haven't even really been touched by the whole marketing world too heavy yet. Marketers are just starting to get awareness on the power of Pinterest and dip their toe, their toes into that pool. Um, but there's a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to grow there. And they already, from a consumer standpoint, have a monopolization on the inspiration game. So those two things bode really well, in my opinion, and they don't have the concerns that Slack does from a security standpoint, uh, if they get hacked, I don't think people care as much because the value of their boards is, you know, it would be annoying to get your Pinterest board hacked per se, but it wouldn't be like the end of the world compared to getting your Slack channel hacked where you have all your, you know, company uh, growth PowerPoints and stuff uh, stored on. So, to me, it's just a much uh, lighter play as far as the level of uh, sensitivity that their users have when using their platforms. It's totally on a different level. And I just think Pinterest, they have the uh, consumers, which are the people just pinning stuff all day and creating you know, digital mood boards, basically. And then you have the marketers seeing... It has a tool for affiliate marketing, um, traffic driving, things of that nature. So there's kind of this these twofold uh, use cases for it. And I just think that it is ripe for the picking. It hasn't even touched its potential yet. I don't think it's ever going to grow as fast as some of the other more sexier platforms are. But I think they're like... That old diesel Mercedes, you know, if these other 
platforms are Lamborghinis and Ferraris. Pinterest is that old diesel Mercedes. You can put 200,000 miles on it. It's not going to break down. It's reliable. That's how I view Pinterest. I don't think it's, it has the most potential to be the one that's going to make you rich off of you know a $10,000 investment or anything like that. But you're, I think it's something that is a safe bet to make you money. Don't take this advice. This is just entertainment. But it's just how I feel, man. I see Pinterest as a safe play. And I think you're going to see a lot of these guys like Gary V and all these uh, knockoff Gary V's basically. They're all going to be just all up on Pinterest nuts pretty damn soon and talking about you're not fucking growing your company if you're not on Pinterest. If you're not on Pinterest, your company ain't shit. That's going to be the motto of 2019 into 2020 for sure. And uh, I think right now is a good time to hop on the train before the marketers start pumping it up to even higher levels than it already is. Um, I use I don't even use Pinterest that much. Like I am not part of Pinterest's demo, but I use it for one thing. I use it for Christmas lists, and it is the best tool for Christmas lists ever. And uh, I make Christmas lists only because my family still asks me to. Because I don't know. I guess I'm picky as fuck, and they don't like buying gifts for me without a list turns out so they're like write write me a christmas list write me a christmas list so i write a christmas list every year and then a few years ago i was like why don't i just because i always find stuff online and then i bookmark it on my browser or i don't bookmark it and i forget about it and i was like what the fuck was that thing that i wanted and then i have to go in my browser history maybe i found it maybe i don't whatever so a few years ago i was like why don't i just use pinterest and create a board and it's been the best tool for Christmas lists ever since. Everyone I send it to is like, wow, this is so smart. I don't think this is some crazy thing. I think there's tons of people that do this. But I'm as someone that is not a Pinterest user, I am still a Pinterest user. That is the point. Point is, is that I have an account and they have my email. And I don't even use Pinterest. I don't give a shit about Pinterest. But every holiday season, I make my damn list. Actually, that's not true. I do one other thing with it, which is uh, I look at occasionally because um, I'm a UX designer. I'll I'll look for if I'm designing something, a specific module or a specific overlay or speci- I I will go on Pinterest and look up different layout options, um, things like that for specific modules and overlays and slide outs and things like that so i use it actually as part of my job i just haven't been using it lately because i just haven't been designing anything where the needs there but i forgot i have a ux list so my two lists are ux stuff i believe is what it's called and christmas list and those are my two pinterest boards not lists boards and i have my account i have those two boards and that's it but i don't got a vacation board with beach pics. I don't got a food board with avocado toast. I don't got none of that shit. Um, but yet, alas, I am still a Pinterest user. So that's the point. They are now a verb. Their company name is now a verb. Pinning things is synonymous with Pinterest. 
they've turned non-users like me into users somehow and i am not part of their core demo and they have this massive potential in the digital marketing world that is currently untapped and as a platform in general it's very much a as far as sensitivity goes pretty lightweight when it comes to its users so i don't think their security breaches or anything will affect their stock price nearly as much as a slack or a google and that is why i am big on pinterest their prices were low at the ipo um date i think now they shot up to they're in like the high 20s now which is pretty high and uh i see it not shooting up and skyrocketing from here i think it's going to be a slow build but i think they're just going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing to what price i have no idea but i see them as a very healthy company long term so that's my piece when it comes to ipo season those are my thoughts let me know what you guys think hit us up on instagram at nrs underscore show hit us up at Twitter at NRS underscore show or send us an email at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com. I will get back to you for sure a thousand percent. And if you like this show or somewhat like it or hate it, fuck it, I don't care. Let's be transparent in this bitch. Give us a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, guys. I'm sorry for the cold. I'm sorry if my energy's a little low. I've been sipping tea and taking supplements all day. Don't feel my best, but still had to pump out an episode regardless. And I like doing this. So I wanted to talk IPOs, EPOs as I call them. That's all I got for now. I'm about to have some stewed chicken pho soup because I need it. And I will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Take it easy. Peace. Peace.